Welcome one and all to episode 40 of the Scum and Villainy Podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah to George. How you doing, buddy? First of all, episode 40? That's 40. insane. That's wild. I know. We are in our, our, our midlife crisis. Yeah, potentially. Maybe. Potentially. One We're of us go might. Buy a, a nice car or something. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm going to break out my Letterman jacket from high school. Uh, you're yeah. going to buy a Corvette. Uh, and then we'll we'll figure out something to do together. Yeah. And we'll both have an affair. That'll be awesome. Exactly. I'm going to start Listen, shaving here. down this beard a little bit and have a goatee. <laughs> With, have an affair. Well, because one of us is married. So do you mean like you'll start another Star Wars podcast? Yes, that, like, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Okay, um, yeah. okay. I, I have some news. All right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have so much news that we might not even be able to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Oh my God. Just first scrap the show of, notes. Noah's got something to, first got piece something of to say. Cause here's yes. how I'm doing today. First piece okay. of news. Um, yes. I got a free Amazon gift card. Guess what I bought? Hmm. I bought a new knickknack. Oh, can you, can I see? Can I see? Well, I don't have it yet. It's in the mail, but, okay. uh, years ago, uh, Garrett gifted me a wonderful Christmas present. It was a 3d printed light up Sith holocron. Yes. Um, and I bought its counterpart, uh, Jedi on Amazon. Holocron? Yeah. I bought this. It's nice. like, it lights up on the inside, just like the Sith one. It's like relatively the same size. So I'm very excited for that to come in the mail. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's going to go on my desk right next to the, uh, the Sith the, one. The, the, the cube looking one? Because I know yeah. they have like different shapes and sizes, but yeah, it's, it's the not cube the, one? It, not like the one that looks like a Dungeons and Dragons dice. Uh, yes. No, it's, it's a cube one. See, um, I'm... Uh, I'm going to Disneyland this summer, as I've said before, mm-hmm. and uh, that is something that you can buy. I'm for sure getting a lightsaber, but I am I'm am itching to be like, Ugh, I don't should I should I commit and get a holocron too? Because uh, that would be that'd be really cool. Would go yeah. well on the shelf. No, it would. go it well totally on the shelf. Uh, you can, I, my, can have uh, a matching holocrons. Yeah, here's my second piece of news because we've been talking about this on and off. Um, yes. I don't know if you happen to catch my activity on Letterbox, but. Uh, I went ahead and watched Star Wars Rogue One. I did see that, and from what I can tell, uh, you liked it. This, I, this the go around. So. I'm gonna give you this right now. I almost gave it a four. I almost gave nice. it a four out of five. I was nice. just like, I was having the time of my life. I don't know what it was. I was in a good mood, um, but I was like, there's not a lot that I dislike about this movie anymore, and I'm really happy that it's getting up there. So you know, yeah. yeah, we, um, thankfully it's a bit of a slower news week. So uh, I'm glad we can dive into some of this stuff now, but, uh, Rogue One and, and, and Solo especially, I think are two films that will age incredibly well mm-hmm. and are things that fans who maybe were a bit more disappointed. I'm looking at you Solo fans who were a bit more disappointed when they came out or were at minimum indifferent who just didn't go see it, which was the case with a lot of Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who do really like Star Wars. A lot of people hadn't seen that until Disney plus. Um, and I think those are the movies that as we get more TV shows and as we get more movies and we dive into all these different corners in star Wars, people are going to rediscover this stuff. And I'm glad that, uh, someone who was at minimum kind of, uh, I, I don't know, like you seem like you seem a little indifferent about yeah. rogue one. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you, you came around and really found yourself enjoying it. I told you, I, uh, rewatched it in the theaters, had the pleasure of doing that. And mm-hmm. I just, I found myself really enjoying the movie. So I'm glad you're back on that train yeah. and no doubt before maybe this, uh, 
upcoming television tele televised series that's coming up. Maybe we might have to dive into Rogue One again. Yeah, mm. no, that would be maybe. I'd, I'd be totally willing to watch it again. I think the one thing that I took from it was I was like, yeah, I still have kind of my my issues with the characters. It's understandable. Totally. Yep. Um, but really watching it, I was I was just like, this is one of the most star wars things that it's, like yeah. that i can point to it like most of it is really that feels so good and i remember yeah. like there's you know when they're when they're walking through jetta city and i'm like mm -hmm. that looks like the cinematic that we got for star wars eclipse or mm -hmm. you know oh that looks a little bit like moss espa from the book of boba fett and it's just like yeah. it, it really is a really really unique and and pretty view of things that's like yeah you don't really get a lot of that where it just like that just feels so ingrained star wars nowadays you know well it's great i'm glad you're coming around to it and yes we are definitely going to uh dive into that that movie again i'd love to revisit that just before andor comes out absolutely uh, speaking of which Got a, excuse me. Got a who what? <laughs> uh, 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 man, I, I might keep that in. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what kind of what kind of mood I'm in when I edit this. Anyway, got a lot of news to discuss. Some of which is regarding Andor because we've got a new composer revealed for that series. I uh, also got a first new look at the uh, cover for an upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi novel. Uh, and then we also are going to find out, Noah, what is and what isn't canon? We've got a timeline book coming up soon. And last, lastly, the reviews are in, and we are going to have an in-depth discussion regarding the Galactic Star Cruiser. Very excited to dive on into that. But if you want to hop around to any of the discussions that tickle your fancy, you can do so by going into the description and clicking on any of those time codes. Noah. Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi. He's hot on the brain on a lot of Star Wars fans now. And, and he's a lot got of Star Wars media. And a lot of Star Wars merchandise, hopefully. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but an upcoming uh, novel that will focus on the young life of Mr. Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, as he was training with Qui-Gon Jinn is on its way, and we got a first look at the cover for said novel. Uh, this book will be written by Kirsten White and will, like I said, uh, focus on some of the early years of Obi-Wan under the tutelage of Grandmaster uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, or just uh, the guidance of Master Qui-Gon Jinn. He's not Grandmaster. What am I talking about? <laughs> Uh, anyway, we also got a, a synopsis for the book. Uh, it's a pretty long synopsis, uh, so I kind of uh, I, I made a synopsis for the synopsis here. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's talking about the uh, young life of Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's kind of yearning for adventure, uh, feels like he hasn't particularly been a uh, priority for Qui-Gon, he's, as he's been focused on connecting with the Force uh, and, and is kind of in conflict with the Council. Meanwhile, Kenobi actually goes onto this uh, remote planet and kind of has his own adventure there with these these young teens who are having this kind of strange relationship with the Force. Uh, but I really wanted to talk about the uh, cover for this book and then also kind of what we get excited uh, for uh, regarding this novel because it will be coming out uh, four weeks after the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I think is interesting, which we will discuss. But Noah, what do you think of this novel? And we get a new look at a young, fresh-faced Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, it's a good thing to see, honestly. Just looking at the cover, I'm just like, man, I could rewatch Phantom Menace again, even though I watched it a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, because I watched The Phantom Menace a few weeks ago, one of the things that I thought of, because, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about Obi-Wan Kenobi as news has dropped and um, and a few behind the scenes things of, you know, of topics we might discuss. And it's just been on the brain. I've been, and I've been, you know, thinking a lot about Obi-Wan Kenobi. All yeah. that to say, um, 
one of the things that I thought of, I know this is not like a secret or anything, but it's just, I think it's something that some people forget is the attitude that Qui-Gon has towards Obi-Wan in The Phantom Menace is very much the same as Obi-Wan has towards Anakin in um, Attack of the Clones. They're mm-hmm. very, very mirrored in a way that's so interesting that, you know, there's there's specific scenes where Qui-Gon tells Obi-Wan to mind his, mind his thoughts and mind his feelings. And, um, and I love that opening scene of The Phantom Menace uh, in the Trade Federation ship. Um, where Mm -hmm. Qui-Gon has kind of given him, you know, advice, but it also seems a little bit scolding. And, you know, we've gotten some backstory of Obi or of, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and what he was like as, you know, as an apprentice and what Mm -hmm. led him to become the master that he was. Um, to me, again, I just want to know more things about, uh, about Obi-Wan Kenobi as that kind of, he, he seems like he might be a little bit reckless or a little bit impatient and, yeah. you know, that gets weeded out of him, uh, as time goes on. So yeah, it'd be, again, I don't read, so we'll just have to, I'll just have to visit Wikipedia and give myself the highlights once this book comes out. Yeah. Um, YouTube's also got a lot of pretty pictures for you too. Oh, they you know, do. I like edit it well, yeah. music probably, maybe some sound effects. That'd be great. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love that. Yeah, so this book seemingly is going to take place before Master and Apprentice, uh, with the Claudia Gray novel, which also focuses on uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's relationship uh, pre The Phantom Menace. Um, and like I said, Obi-Wan uh, is, is hot on the brain for a lot of Star Wars fans and is um, a character that is obviously going to be um, uh, uh, ex- explored and, and, and analyzed very thoroughly in this series. And I do think it is curious that this book is coming out four weeks after the finale of that show. And I think it's something that Star Wars does uh, very uniquely as opposed to some other franchises is how it continues to go back and how in doing so helps us look at the future and helps us look forward and kind of recontextualizes a lot of things. Because as you said, Obi-Wan kind of has a lot of similarities to his relationship with Anakin and also Qui-Gon is a master and Obi-Wan is a Padawan. Like I can point at another kind of hot headed Padawan who kind of yearns for adventure and wants to, wants to, to, to see more and is kind of feel like they're held back by their master a little bit. I think it's interesting how a lot of that stuff is kind of paralleled here, which I do think in rewatching something like Revenge of the Sith or even uh, the Clone Wars and seeing the relationship and the dynamic between uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. I think a lot of those things in reading a book like this are going to be impacted and you're going to to see how Obi-Wan maybe feels like he failed Anakin a little bit and maybe he should have been a little bit more compassionate and had more, you know, what could he have done to maybe uh, prevent what we what eventually kind of befalls Anakin here. Um, I think all that stuff is great. Um, as far as this novel is concerned and, and exploring this connection with the force, I think a lot of that stuff could be very interesting and impacting how Obi-Wan views the force. Maybe he sees it more as uh, a, a path to adventure and more of like a superpower and maybe in experiencing the, the force with these kids who maybe view it as a way that they can get 
you know, what they want. And they're not, they don't have this kind of emotional connection to the force. Who knows? Maybe it'll kind of give him a, a newfound appreciation for the force in a way. Um, I think that that would be, would be really interesting, really interesting because Obi-Wan is kind of seen as like the golden standard, you mm-hmm. know, of what the Jedi is supposed to be. And seeing him kind of start as this young, kind of hot-headed, kind of yearning for adventure, and then to be kind of the calm, cool, and collected Jedi master that we see in something like Star Wars Rebels, for example, uh, I think it, the, it'll, it'll uh, only serve to enrich moments like that for myself. Yeah, there's. I, I think I, I would really hope that um, that maybe we'll get some shades of that in the Kenobi show if we are lucky enough if we pray hard enough and we'll get some some interaction between Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn or at least yeah. Force Ghost voice Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. Um, because that would be, you know, I feel like that's at the top of everybody's wish list. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that idea of the connection with the Force and maybe how, maybe seeing how that's changed over time for Obi-Wan and everything that he's been through and learning what the force is. And, um, you know, again, these characters that we have that, that are portraying these long periods of time where it's, you know, where did Obi-Wan start and where is he now? Um, and then you have, you have characters like Ahsoka who start at a similar place, go through a similar event, but then you have them later in life who are saying, well, the Jedi, you know, that all, all all of that business, it's a little bit too much for me. So, you know, Obi-Wan does kind of stick with it. And why is that? You know, um, what has he learned along the way that, that keeps him, uh, kind of on that path? I'd love to see some of that stuff. I'm sure we'll get some shades of that in, in the show. Of course. I, I did want to ask, though, before we uh, move on to the next topic, uh, the, you know, we were uh, discussing the, the cover of this book uh, mm-hmm. based purely on aesthetics and maybe storylines aside. Uh, does If you were walking through your local Barnes & Noble, is this a cover that would, would catch your attention? Uh, or uh, does, it, does it seem kind of, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's Obi-Wan. And there he is, right yeah, there. Anyway, it, it, you know, it how, how does it I strike mean, you? I think that's the thing, though. It, it is Obi-Wan. He's right there. Um, but it does kind of, it reminds me a lot of the Ahsoka cover, which I love so much. Um, yeah. That art is phenomenal. Um mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, seeing seeing Obi-Wan and knowing that this is a novelization of a character, it's not really a portrayal of a character, yet I'm looking at the cover and I say, that's Ewan McGregor when he was 20-something. You know, that's... Yeah. It's exciting. Um, it's definitely interesting because it, it tells you, it's like, whoa, hold on a second. That's, that's a yeah. familiar face. You know, it's not just guy with blue lightsaber. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's... I don't think it's very dynamic or exciting, but it's lovely to see nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's Obi-Wan and I see him and go, I like that guy and he's yeah, on a book yeah. cover and that, and that's pretty cool. I will say as far as, um, other kind of covers in a similar era, um, you could even point not only to masters and Prentice, but some of the EK Johnson Padme novels, um, I think this cover is not as striking as some of those other ones, even one that like the the Queen Shadow or some of those other Padme novels, even though those covers are still just their face. I still think that they kind of have this kind of dynamic um, 
you know, painterly kind of uh, aspect yeah, to them. Look at the cover of like art. Master. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the cover to Masters and Apprentice. It does look like this very painterly kind of unique cover there. And I know there's some variant covers out there. I'd be curious to see a variant cover for this one. Um, but yeah, I think purely on aesthetics and not really story anything. Um, this is like, a, it, it's, it's just kind of an okay cover for me. Um, I would prefer, it's very cool toned. I would prefer maybe a bit more contrast in, in that regard. Uh, the background, we just kind of see some leaves. It looks like he's maybe up against a wall or something like that. Yeah, I was going to ask um, what's like in the back right corner. It looks almost like a Majora's Mask eyeball if yeah. you don't zoom in, you know. Wait a minute, is that Snoke in the background? Oh, damn it. <laughs> ah, Snoke confirmed for the new Padawan novel. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, all, all jokes aside, this cover here... Um, does not decrease my incitement, uh, excitement for this book, uh, but anything, um, it's good to see uh, a fresh face Obi-Wan Kenobi because he's a handsome guy. Um, uh, him on a cookbook, I'd probably buy, you know, I want to see what kind of recipes uh, uh, Obi-Wan is cooking up. There was that book. A, out, lot of, you know? a lot of dirt and blue milk. That's it. There you go. That would be a great cookbook. We need to call Inside Editions or something like that. Like a, a, each Jedi of the council has like food from their planet, you know, like what are, yeah. what is, what is Kiati Mundi eating? You know, I'd be a bunch of lumpy, uh, a bunch of lumpy food. It just looks like their heads. Probably, probably, uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Noah, moving on from there, aside from an Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming to Disney+, Plus, we also are getting Star Wars Andor. Now, this is news that did break kind of mid-February. We did not get a chance to cover it, but I didn't want to let it slip by. Uh, but we do know who is uh, uh, serving as the composer for that series. Uh, this news broke from Film Music Reporter, who reported that Nicholas Bertel... Uh, who is a three-time Academy Award-nominated composer, will be composing the music for the upcoming Rogue One prequel series. Uh, he, of course, is the composer uh, behind Succession, Moonlight, Corella, If Beale Street Could Talk, Don't Look Up, The Big Sleep, uh, uh, The Big... Uh, yeah, the no. The Big... Not The Big Sick. There's The Big Sleep. This is like the Humphrey yeah. Bogart movie. It's The the Big Short. That's the one. The Big Short. I know. I know there's too many big S's, you know, there's so many there's, there really is a lot. Uh, but yes, he is composing the, the, the theme as well as the score for this show, uh, which is currently in post-production and is targeted for a July, September release, uh, with its 12 episodes on Disney plus, uh, Noah, we talked a little bit about composers last week with John Williams, but we seem to have yeah. a new fresh face, uh, being brought into the star Wars galaxy here. Uh, are you excited to hear that Mr. Patel is being added to the uh, pretty impressive list of people who have created Star Wars music? Well, I'll say one thing. Uh, you know, going over these show notes, I was I was like, oh boy, that is a name that I know because the succession theme is just, you know, it's incredible. It is what it is. It's a bop. It's a bop. It is. Um, but I do think it's funny that uh, that he's credited for the the uh, score for Cruella because I recently watched that movie for the first time and it's mm -hmm. mostly just a bunch of songs that other people made and then there's sure. like some Lots score of needle here drops. and there. Yeah, uh, the needle, needle drops, drops kill. They absolutely killed me. I 
Oof. Anyways, um, but yeah. regardless, uh, man knows how to man knows how to make some music. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's you know. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been hired. That's how it works. That'd be um, hilarious if he's like just been lying <laughs> this entire time. He's an imposter, and he no, yeah. no wonder there were so many needle drops in Cruella. He was like, I can't keep <laughs> writing music. Somebody's gonna find exactly. out that I suck. No, no, I yep. uh, this is. It's definitely interesting because, you know, we, we talked about, uh, composers a little bit. You're right. And, um, I've been making a couple improvements on my house and I pulled up Spotify and I was like, I want to listen to some, like some soundtrack music. Um, and so I've got like a soundtrack playlist, but I actually went to your Spotify and threw in a few of the, the songs that you have on your star Wars playlist. Um, cause I was like, well, I know that Garrett's got like the good ones. It's Um, a good playlist. Like. It is a good playlist. Uh, Curated I, I, by yours truly. I've I've listened to it at work a couple times as well. But um, nice. So I like I, I was just listening to that and I was like, man, I forgot Michael Giacchino did the music for Rogue One. And like, oh yeah, he did. I'm in love with that man. That man has done, you know, obviously he's done a, a lot of really famous scores. Um, my favorite being the Super Eight uh, score. He's done the, yeah. he did the music for super eight, uh, which is yeah. like my first, like, hold on. I got to figure out what this man's up to. Um, sure. I'll say this much. It, it's, you know, only a matter of time before Hans Zimmer takes his hand at star Wars. Um, but I'm just so happy that other people like Nicholas Patel are kind of giving their own flavor because you look at something like succession or Cruella where realistically, yeah, you have kind of that regal star Wars idea to it. Um, where it's very kingdomly and and regal again, but you also yeah. have kind of the gritty espionage that Andor might bring, uh, and it's kind of I don't know Jason Bourne-y? I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, so it'll definitely yeah. be. It sounds like it's in his wheelhouse. I think. Yeah, I think when you look at his uh, kind of um, resume here, I th- the thing that sticks out to me is there's really a very dynamic sense here. Uh, because there is kind of the orchestral, as you said, regal kind of sensibility to it. But then something like Succession is very modern. And mm-hmm. it really, I, I don't listen to the Succession theme, even though I, I love it. And it's one of those themes that you can't really skip when you like watch that show, even though I, I binged not. that show recently. And I was literally watching episode after episode after episode. I never skipped the theme because it's a great theme. And it's it's not really something that I listen to and I go, Oh, this would totally fit star Wars, which I say in like the best way possible because mm-hmm. having his kind of unique sensibilities be brought to something like star Wars and, or I think is, is really exciting, but yeah, the moonlight score and the if bill street could talk score is really soulful and beautiful and more kind of orchestral in a way. Um, the don't look up score doesn't uh stick out to me i've I've seen the film but i would have to kind of re-listen to that um I'm, uh, it's not really sticking out to me now but apparently it's good enough that he earned himself an oscar nomination for it so congratulations for that all sure the best enough. to yeah. him but yeah i i think the the appeal to bringing these kind of new uh He's, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a fresh face, um, but these new faces in regards to Star Wars and these new kind of people to to bring into the sandboxes, I would kind of encourage them to don't just do what Williams did or try to do Williams as best as you can. Don't do an impression of him. Do what you do. And like, you know, uh, Ludwig and Hortzen, who does uh, The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, his is truly a unique 
flavor. It's completely mm-hmm. unique. Like listen to the Mandalorian. It feels so unique, but it also feels so star Wars. And I would love for uh, Nicholas Patel to also do something like that to where it's like, I, this is completely fresh for star Wars, but it also fits absolutely perfectly. Um, is there any of these scores? I know you have more of like a musical inclination than I do. Are there any of these scores or these films or kind of directions that you would like to see Star Wars music go in? Or what are you kind of anticipating for Andor here? Well, it's yeah, it's kind of funny because like we talk about uh, we talk about the the work that Ludwig has done where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and there's there's some funny TikToks about it where it's like, yeah, I'm just watching Star Wars. Wait a minute, there's dubstep in Star Wars now. And it's like the <laughs> yeah. the Dark Troopers theme is so weird. Right. And yeah. Um, where compared to now, you know, we have the Book of Boba Fett and it's, you know, different in the regards to like the tribal ideas of it, but then you move over to something like the mods with Thundercat and, you know, using one of Thundercat's bass lines it, to yeah. make this kind of you know, hip hop electro uh, kind of jive to it where, yeah. again, this reminds me of something like uh, Tatooine Rhapsody, where, which is such like a far out there thing that, that's like, Oh, well, emo that's not rock really Star for Star Wars. Wars Andor. Bring emo rock yes. <laughs> into no, Star that's Wars Andor. Like, <laughs> where where is the line if we're talking about what music is strictly Star Wars? Okay, so we're just gonna pick John Williams and Finger and Dan and the Modal Nodes, and that's the only yeah. thing that Star Wars can be. Not not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really excited to get that. Um, I again. The soundtrack for for something like Jason Bourne isn't, you know, it's not crazy. It's not something so unique that it's, um, you know, just the first thing that's ever done that. But that espionage feel to it that uh, that doesn't feel just like orchestral music um, is going to be really interesting. It doesn't have to stand out, but, you know, we're we're getting something like that versus John Williams himself coming back to do the theme for Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is going to feel so much like John Williams that at least we have a difference. You know, that's that's the only thing that I'm hoping for. Yeah. And it's so funny. You talk about like the, the variety and, and, you know, different types of uh, feels and shows and the, the kind of sensibilities that they have. But even within just John Williams himself, you get something like the Cantina Band, but then you also get something like the duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And it's kind of yeah. like the Revenge of the Sith score is like almost like a rock album. It's, it's, it's crazy. So the variety yeah. even within Star Wars and even within someone like John Williams, it's, it's impressive. I'm excited to see it grow and evolve from here. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening, like, like I said earlier, I was listening to some of the, uh, soundtrack, uh, bits and it's really interesting going from something like a new hope to where there's like, there's marimba in the Imperial March, uh, in some of the variations of it, there's a freaking marimba. And then, Duel of the Fates is one of the most interesting pieces that it's, you know, yeah. it's opera and it, and yeah. like it fits it so well that it is like the, the prequels are so regal and royal that, yeah, that absolutely fits. So if we're getting more into the, the empire has kind of made the world kind of a, a really smudgy, dirty place. Um, mm-hmm. you know, how, do, how does that sound? I guess. So yeah, yeah. it'll, it'll be very interesting. Yes, I'm very excited to see what Star Wars espionage music sounds like. And if it's good enough, Mr. 
uh, Mr. Bertel, then I will add it to my carefully curated Star Wars uh, Spotify playlist. So you got a lot to live up to, okay? Yeah, That's we'll have to I'm see. Saying. <laughs> uh, coming up after this, Noah, we've got the, some discussions to be had about Star Wars Timelines, which is a new visual guide uh, about the entire canon of uh, Star Wars history. Uh, this book has been announced from DK Publishing. Uh, it will arrive this November, so just before Christmas. Uh, and this was revealed during the latest episode of This Week in Star Wars. Uh, the book t uh, comes to us from a lot of different names in Star Wars writing, including just uh, Kristen Baver, Jason Fry, Cole Horton, Amy Rachow, and Clayton Sandell. Uh, it chronicles the time before the High Republic to the fall of the First uh, Order and the ultimate defeat of Emperor Palpatine by Rey and the Resistance, the First Order or the Final Order, whichever you prefer there. Uh, so, Noah, this is going to be, without a doubt, a pretty hefty uh, coffee table book that you may or may not be so, adding yeah. to your collection. Uh, got a lot of stuff to, to break down here in canon, a lot of comics and books and TV shows and video games and movies, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you know I'm a sucker for a good coffee table book, but will you join me in, in asking uh, Mr. Santa Claus for this book for Christmas? This seems like this seems like a multi-volume encyclopedia. You know, it's one of those things that you've got like the the all of the binders of it are all the same color, <laughs> and they've got like yeah. Roman numeral one through seventeen. Um, I, oh, I wish, I wish, yes, yeah. Well, here's the thing: I've you and I both uh, are fans of Star Wars Explained. We wouldn't have had him on the show otherwise. Um, and so I know that one of his things is kind of doing the canon updates. Yeah. Um, I This seems like a huge undertaking that's almost like, first of all, why didn't you guys do this sooner? Like, we've been running into problems with this here and there, um, you know, whatever. But sure. I don't know. Do you feel like this is a... Do you feel like this is a time for them to like purge certain things and say like, well, we know we said that this was, but actually it's not. Or is this just like a cool comprehensive thing? I don't know. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to be lining up to, uh, to purchase this. Uh, especially if I just kind of know in my heart that I can go watch Alex, uh, talk about what is and what isn't canon. <laughs> You know, I think a lot of the stuff that uh, the Star Wars TV shows or, or whatever, books or whatever, will kind of a little little faux pas here and there. It's mostly kind of small detail stuff, like what color mm -hmm. lightsaber Ahsoka has in season seven of The Clone Wars, stuff like that, to where it's like, it doesn't really matter, or like what happens to Kanan's master in, you know, the Bad Batch versus in the comics. In the yeah. broad strokes of things, in the very broad strokes, it's pretty much the same, which I imagine if you're going to chronicle the entire canon history of Star Wars, which is something that spans now hundreds of years, I imagine your brevity is probably going to be your friend here. Um, mm -hmm. So I think they're in regards to the kind of the the minutia of thing uh, things, I think they're going to be not as vague as possible, but it's mostly going to talk about kind of the big important um, pillars of, of of Star Wars events. The details that I'm more interested in is in dates because if you look at something like The Mandalorian, they haven't really nailed down Man. when that oh. is. 
I would uh, and love, so I would love a specific date that solo takes place. I would that that's the only thing. That is that's the another only one. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you remember like when the movie I think it was close to when the movie came out that yeah. uh that I like was I was literally like calculating. I was like bent over my desk, just like yeah. doing calculations. Crunching on a piece the numbers of paper. with your little green visor. Like, hey man, this doesn't work. He's either yeah. 16 or he's not. Like, what are you yeah. trying to say here? So yeah. you're totally yeah, getting, right. Cause now I'm seeing it. I'm putting it all together. Yeah, getting the dates for things is is going to be very interesting and can provide some clarity on some stuff. I'd be fascinated to see what that's going to be like. But I think like we were talking about with the uh, the Padawan novel, I think getting like the kind of details in the, the canon specific, uh, specificity of, of everything down, I think can kind of help enrich a lot of those uh, thematic beats of, of Star Wars and certain things that transpire in the books or the comics that maybe if you kind of rely on Alex Damon to kind of keep up, because it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff, yeah. especially in the comics and the books, it's a lot of stuff to keep up with. But having a book like this, I think can kind of enrich a lot of those uh, kind of broad stroke thematic kind of Star Wars, big heavy ideas. Um, and, and knowing kind of the minutia of everything, I think, uh, will only serve to enrich that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't really see themselves like digging at their own grave here about what color lightsaber Ahsoka had or what exactly happened to Kanan's master and the Bad Batch versus the comics or whatever. Um, I'm just curious to see how they're going to handle some of the, the finer details about dates specifically, because that's yeah. been not like a problem, but I've just been curious about. Well, it's also, I was thinking about this because I was like, man, I feel like this has come up a lot recently is that um, with the introduction of Yoda's lightsaber in the Book of Boba Fett as well, like that was something yeah. that people were like, hey man, they already said what happened to that lightsaber and sure. well, what what about that? You know, it's just, it's it feels like it's one of those things that like with these new shows, we're kind of re, not rewriting, but kind of reimagining the scope of certain things that have already taken place in, you know, in writing or one way or another or whatever. Um, yeah. so it does kind of feel like we're, you know, we're reaching the point where it's like, okay, we've got so much story here. Um, let's really nail down some of these things. So I, I think I understand that. I, again, I would be so surprised if we're really going to do that just for the small things. Um, mm -hmm or if this is really laying the groundwork so we can get a feel for, you know, what is our place in the universe as Star Wars fans now that we are about to be absolutely flooded with content, you know? Yeah, and this book, of course, will be coming out in November, as I said, so I'd be curious to see how many Obi-Wan Kenobi details are in there, or some of these other yeah. series that we're, we are going to be getting, and I do think that there could be a couple of second editions of this where they add some stuff or it's updated and, and things like that, because, yeah, it is something like... Uh, in a, a, a day and age like today, it's like, yeah, I wait a couple of uh, minutes and this book is going to be outdated because something else was, was introduced. So I think generally it's going to be about the broad strokes and what, what, what's important. Cause honestly, a lot of those like Yoda's lightsaber, Ahsoka's lightsaber, a lot of that kind of stuff is just like kind of just specific kind of pedantic neat, uh, details. 
uh, it doesn't yeah. really matter uh, emotionally and thematically. That's what I'm really curious in. And I think in kind of chronicling a lot of these big events in Star Wars, I think it's only going to enrich a lot of those themes. So I'm very excited to uh, be picking this up and I will absolutely be adding it to my ever-growing shelf of, of Star Wars coffee table books. Well, you'll have to let me know uh, just how comprehensive it is because I don't buy books. And you don't um, unless read, it's so. unless it's the Life Day Cookbook because I did buy that. But anyways, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, I was actually at a uh, a used bookstore the other day, and I uh, saw that book in there. And I know you had had uh, some some escapades and and cooking from that. And I was like, I know he's kind of an idiot. So I'm gonna look it up. Does it really say four <laughs> cups of salt in this in this uh, crate fish recipe? And sure enough, it does. I want to ask, did you use kosher salt? Because I know you had some problems with it. Did you use table salt or kosher salt? I use table salt. I use iodized ah, salt. There you go. There you go. And does that make a difference? Kosher salt's a lot bigger. Uh, I, 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 I bet that was the problem. I bet that you know was what? the problem. Here's the thing. I will not be testing to see if it works better with kosher salt. There's no way that I'm spending that much money on fish and whatever. Fish is so expensive. Anyways. It is. It is. It is. Uh, well, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a crack at it, at the salted crusted Branzino or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, Noah, we've got some, uh, some news to discuss here. The reviews are in hot off the press for the galactic star cruiser event. Uh, a lot of, uh, media members and, and TikTokers and influencers and people who have more of a social reach than us were invited to spend a few days on the soon to be revealed galactic star cruiser for an exclusive two night stay in the themed luxury hotel near Disney Hollywood Studios. So uh, I want to have a little bit of a caveat before we really dive into this. Uh, We will be spoiling some general plot points and events that happen uh, and uh, what guests can expect to see on this trip. Uh, so Noah, I kind of flooded your, your Twitter messages there, sending you a lot of reviews and videos and TikToks and articles about oh, there was uh, what so kind much. of, yeah. a lot, a lot of stuff coming out of this, but I wanted to kind of get, what was your general kind of, uh, feeling about how a lot of people kind of, um, were, were gauging this because this has kind of been a, uh, as Star Wars tends to be kind of a controversial topic and kind of a hot button issue. So now that the, the reviews and the waters have settled what is kind of your general reaction to how people experience uh, the galactic star cruiser well i know that you know especially recently with the uh with the announcement of the princess and the scoundrel um Mm -hmm. that's kind of what people have been going into this thinking or i should say what star wars fans have been prepared for and thinking about what the rest of this looks like Mm -hmm. um here's the thing I understand, like, we've looked at concept art, we've looked at some preliminary images and stuff, but realistically, this legitimately looks like the most fun you could have on a cruise-style entertainment uh, resort thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I was a little bit blown away by some of the, uh, by some of the design. Uh, yeah, I, I remember one of the videos you sent me specifically what I was, uh, that I was watching after reading that article was, uh, of, of someone checking in and there's a Rodian walking behind him that like says hello, yeah. but it's like fully a person in, in prosthetics and, you know, practical makeup and, and mask and whatever that like the mouth moves and just yeah. the idea that you can be walking around. I understand that like, you know, people have their lives that are kind of, you know, you're not fully immersed in this thing, 
but to like just stand there and look at it and be in that experience like i think it's i really do think it's like half you know it's half galaxy's edge half you know you stepped into the actual world so you still have that and i think there's one thing that that obviously we'll get into later um yeah. that i'm still like hey, i think that's that would be keeping me from the whole thing but legitimately kind of did a it kind of did a 180 in my mind instead of being so stubborn about the fact that it's like well i won't be be able to go so whatever um and I know that like, we're like, well, this looks like it's going to be kind of a tourist trap and whatever. I, I legitimately think that it looks like for the people that it's for, it's going to be awesome. And, yeah. and I'm sad that I won't be able to experience that anytime soon, you know? Yeah. So the article that I had sent you, I kind of want to shout that out uh, because it's an article that can be found on Nerdist written by Amy Radcliffe. Uh, yeah. And she really provided a super thorough really honest, candid kind of breakdown of what guests can expect. Uh, and the Rodian that you were referring to, I think uh, their name is Uwani. Uh, uh, it's O-U-A-N-N-I. Um, kind of seemingly is like a lounge singer um, here yeah. that guests can interact with and talk to. And yeah, the prosthetics on this thing are mind-blowing. The Imagineers are incredibly talented people here. But yeah, I, I think I kind of was on a similar journey with you here to where you hear the price point of this thing and some of the, you had mentioned the princess and the scoundrel, which for those of you who don't know is kind of a, they did the same thing with Galaxy's Edge, but it's a tie-in novel that in, in this case is where Han and Leia spent their honeymoon. And uh, it seemingly for, if you want to kind of put on your cynical cap, seemingly is just like a piece of marketing for this thing and less kind of story driven, which remains to be seen. Haven't read the book, haven't heard reviews in the book. So uh, I think uh, like anything, give them the respect of actually kind of diving into the book and then you can mm -hmm. kind of share your opinions there. Um, so I think I kind of shared the similar uh, journey that you did to where I was like, well, I don't have five grand to blow on a star Wars cruise kind of hotel hybrid here. Um, so my cynical walls were kind of thrown up a little bit. Um, but and, uh, to be honest and looking at a lot of these videos and a lot of these articles, um, I, I, I think the cynicism has died down a little bit, but I haven't been convinced that this is something for me with that being said though i am um, uh, you know an adult enough that i can know that not everything has to be for me and i think for the people that this is going to be for uh, i think they're going to have a really um, awesome and kind of unforgettable experience here i just don't know as myself and i know kind of what my sensibilities are and what i would kind of look for in a star wars kind of immersive experience I don't know if this would necessarily be for me, but I'm excited to kind of dive in uh, nonetheless of what uh, guests can expect to uh, experience here because it does seem very thorough and, and very immersive in a way. Yeah, and there's something about the showmanship nature of it, and this is kind of where I'm getting hung up um, with the idea that it feels, I would say it feels like it looks like uh, Batu like cranked up to 11 
um, yeah. where you have the choice to immerse yourself in most things. Um, and in some places you almost don't have a choice. Like in, in, you know, if you're going to visit the lounge where there's going to be live music and food and drinks, you're not going to be able to just order yourself a chili dog. No, it's going to be, you know, it's going to sure. be a Ronto wrap or it's going to be whatever. Um, and the drinks especially are so, so inspired by Star Wars that it's, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to just be able to find a vending machine and grab a can of Coke yeah. and a Snickers. Um, yeah. so some of those things, it's like, yeah, you don't really have a choice. You're going to, you're going to have that immersion other things. Um, and this is one of the things that, that kind of, I think maybe rubbed me the wrong way was, uh, seeing the, the show of Ray and Kylo Ren, um, mm -hmm. and, sure cool it's a show it's you know whatever and there's there's the light displays and they have like moving parts of the set that make it look like they're using the force there's a cool lightsaber battle great yeah. um part of what is great about batu is that you can watch these things but you know that like you were saying before when you were talking to your sister about it that uh, batu canonically is a place that you can visit during a certain time period um why would, if we're going to talk about immersion, why would Ray and Kylo Ren be on the Halcyon? Um, you know, what's the story there? Okay. Or are we just going to take a back seat and say, this is kind of just a show and this is where everybody pulls out their phones and records. Um, to me, that's like, okay, well, if I want to choose immersion, then unfortunately I'm not going to want to go watch that thing, you know? Yeah, I think the, uh, I don't know the, the ins and out of the story. I know a lot of these articles didn't really want to divulge into that. And right. I kind of mostly saw the Ray and Kylo thing because of TikToks and videos and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there is a story and a rationale why they're there. I don't think that this is like the, I don't know, uh, whatever the experience it's is. There, where you can like hand a light. <laughs> well, you, well, you know what I'm talking about at like Disney World where you, they have that thing where they like bring up a six-year-old and hand him a lightsaber and it's like, okay, go ahead and fight Darth Vader. I don't think it's quite like that to where it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. fun and silly. Um, I think it's, right through that video, that kid like cracks the, or uh, Darth Vader like cracks that kid in the head with a yeah, lightsaber. Yeah, he totally bludgeons uh, him in the noggin. That's really good stuff there. But um, I wanted to talk a bit about the immersion because you had brought that up. And I do think one of the, uh, I will say, one of the benefits of charging about five grand, so, uh, you know, a used 2003, you know, uh, Taurus here um, of, of what it costs to go on a trip like this mm -hmm. is everyone who is there wants to be there. There's nobody who is there who is like, I've seen, and let maybe parents aside from that, but they're like, yeah, I've seen Mandalorian, but that's kind of about it. If you're going to shell out about 5,000 bucks a pop, you're probably a pretty good shot. You're a big Star Wars fan there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, to kind of uh, throw out a quote here from CNET's Bridget Carey, who in their article wrote, um, they said that you don't have to do everything. If you don't participate to some degree, you will be uh, kind of seeing the main general story unfold. But yeah, you'll kind of be wasting your money. And I think that because of that, if, if you are going and you're just kind of just being a, a you know, a, just an appreciator of what hap what's happening, but you're not really fully selling into th or buying into things and not really having that, uh, that part of you that's just kind of allowing yourself to release that kind of cynicism and just kind of actually join in and have fun and, and buy into the story and, and, and really kind of allow yourself to, to, to have that fun. 
Um, I think that you're all kind of, uh, yeah, you're kind of not letting yourself enjoy the trip fully to its experience. And if you're, yeah, if you're going to uh, shell out about $5,000 a piece, why not, you know, let loose a little bit, have fun here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, on the other side of that, I have seen some reviews where people were kind of like, you know, there really is a, kind of this awkward sense here that you are seeing a lot of adults playing pretend and that they're like rebel spies or resistance spies here, which I don't know, I think is kind of endearing. I think it's kind of fun and, and cute that, that there's just though. a bunch of, uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, moms and dads here who are like trying their best to like sneak around the first order or whatever. I think that that's a, I think that's fun. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's great. No, you really know? like let, let yours just let go of that kind of that part of you that's like, no, I'm here for my kids and my kids are having a blast and I got to just stand here and watch them. Like, yeah, I don't know, play pretend, live a little bit. Maybe you and I come from that kind of, we've dabbled in improv, uh, and, and a little bit of acting here and there that, that gives us that like, no, you know what? I'm just going to throw myself into this uh, ability to become a character. If you're going to say like, well, this is as close of a shot as I'll ever have to be in a Star Wars movie. Uh, I might as well, you know, take it for what it is. Then just take it, you know. That was one of the things that I think it reminds me of of going to Star Wars Celebration and, and doing a cosplay. I was so mm-hmm. worried that like halfway through, I was going to be like, can I get this dumb thing off? Like, I'm just trying to walk around here and, you know, right. whatever. Um, but really, like having a costume that, you know, people can look at you and be like, I love your cosplay or like, Oh my gosh, can I take a picture? Like that'll keep you going. And if you're there and you're pretending to do whatever and you're, you know, somewhat rewarded for those things, whether it's, you know, your kids are having a great time or you actually get to participate in something cool and that's your reward, then yeah, just let go and, and have a good time with it because I would kill to do that. If you're not going to have a good time there, then you can pay for yeah. me to go. Well, I actually wanted to mention that here because I sent you this this tweet, which I thought was great, uh, from Brooke Geiger McDonald, uh, who was lucky enough to go on this trip as well with uh, bring her kids along. And she posted this really great photo of her with her kids and her little son is sobbing, yeah, <laughs> completely yeah. losing it, having a breakdown uh, because, and she says here in her tweet, says, credit to my kids who got us so deeply invested in our stories on Star Wars uh, Galactic Star Cruiser that the experience was both dizzy, a dizzying blur and one we ended up caring so much about that we cried when it was over. Uh, and then she links the uh, kind of the first of her many thoughts regarding the trip. But I think there is something to be said that, yeah, as adults, you're kind of looking around and you're like, all right, this is it's it's a little much, you know, it might be a little yeah, once, silly. Or once a you make eye contact here. with another parent, then it's like you're yeah. both like, what what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, but having your kids with you or someone who is really invested in this and having them kind of be a conduit or a pathway for you to kind of let loose and then in turn kind of find that inner child in you that you're just like, yeah, sure, we're here. When in Rome, okay, let's do this kind of thing and really buy into it. I think it's so fun and kind of poetic in a sense that I'm not saying that that Brooke had this experience, but 
someone, a parent who does go to this and that maybe has that kind of like, that's eh, kind of awkward and kind of dumb, you know, that their kids can actually get them to this point to where maybe by the end of their trip, they're like in tears. Cause they're like, I can't believe I was so emotionally moved by, by this. I think that that's something really special. Thankfully for you and I don't think I'm going to need a kid to do that for me. I will probably be in tears <laughs> when I go this summer and see the, the Millennium Falcon myself. Thank you very much. Uh, but it's great to yeah. see. It's great to see that this is something that kids are really going to enjoy. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to say here, because I've, I've seen a lot of just the worst tweets that people could possibly muster. <laughs> just oh, the gosh. worst takes, the worst takes imaginable, because there was a clip that was released of Ray and Kylo battling on the bridge here. And there's a moment where we saw at this like Disney investor meeting where, um, you know, Uncle Bob or whoever it is has like this actual Star Wars lightsaber that retracts and, and, you know, actually expands and it looks real. And there's a moment in the choreographed fight here to where Ray has it. And then she kind of seemingly like puts it down and like picks up a one that she can actually like swing and like crack against one another, uh, versus like this probably very expensive prop that, you know, is probably a prototype. Mm -hmm. Um, and people were just so like, Oh my God, you're paying all this money and the choreography and blah, 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 blah of how it's just like, oh, there's no, no stakes and no emotional kind of whatever. And I'm just kind of like, guys, look, like this is the thing. Let me, can I, can I go on a, can I, can I, uh, can I uh, spin a yarn a little bit here? Can I, can hey, I tell let me a check story my watch? Oh, you've got time. Spin a yarn. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of when I was a kid and I was probably like four or so. And I was at my birthday party for myself and it was like a Batman themed birthday party. And my mom, God lover, took uh, asked and maybe voluntold a family member of ours who was a little bit older, uh, Josh, who was like a cousin of mine. She was like, Josh, I'm going to rent out a Batman suit and you're going to be Batman at Garrett's birthday party. Again, oh, I was probably like three or four. And this suit probably was the dingiest thing you can imagine. I imagine it was like a party city suit and it looked probably not great. But let me tell you, Noah to George... As a three-year-old, it looked like Michael Keaton himself had walked through the doors <laughs> and Batman was at my party. I know it's kind of a different situation here because, again, probably didn't cost $5,000 a pop to, to attend my birthday party. But still, that's something I remember today. And I'm 23 years old. It was about 20 years ago when that happened. And I still remember that because it was real to me. And I think that there's going to be a lot of kids who are fortunate enough to go to this and it's going to blow their tiny minds. And I think mm -hmm. that there are some adults like we had just talked about who are also going to really be able to buy into that kind of experience and that that real sense of magic that Disney is so known for. And I'll throw a Star Wars quote at you, too. Qui-Gon says your, your focus determines your reality. So if you go into something like this with your arms crossed and your brow furrowed and just like, oh, this is so dumb and so corny and so awkward, then you're going to leave and say it was so dumb and so corny and so awkward. But if you go in and you really, I feel, kind of allow yourself to have that fun and to go on this adventure and kind of try to find that child sense of excitement and wonderment and magic, I think that that's probably what you're going to find. And I'm, I'm so thrilled and excited for people who have the means to to do this to kind of experience that sense of joy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So you were, you reminded me of something. Let me, 
let me entangle a smaller yarn into your yarn that you have spun. Okay. Don't cross um, the beams here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, you were, you were telling that story. It made me think of the fact that even in today's day and age, we are really obsessed with that. Uh, I think more than people want to admit, uh, they're obsessed with cosplay nature and, yeah. and the community that, that that is. Um, and for myself, I have in my closet right now, I have, uh, I would say three complete, uh, you know, one, one extra incomplete, uh, cosplays. Uh, one of those being the one that I wore to Star Wars Celebration. I haven't touched that poncho because, you know, it's like, I'm not going to use it for anything else, but except yeah. for a young Boba Fett cosplay. Um, yeah. but I have, I have an Anakin cosplay and I have my homemade Spider-Man suit. And just recently, like literally within the past couple months, I purchased another Spider-Man suit and it's like the homecoming suit and it's like a full big deal. And I like spent a lot of time and money doing the mask and like making it look good. And, and yeah. I have it sitting in the other room where like, I know that I can go You're wearing that it on. right now. Actually, it's I'm really distracting right <laughs> um, mask and all. It's so hard to breathe. No. Uh, I, I know that I can go in that other room. I can put on that costume with the help of another person because it's a back zipper. Um, yeah. but I'll walk out and my, like my thought is not, wow, I look just like I'm from the movie. No, my thought is I'm Spider-Man right now. And that's like, yeah. and that's a magical yeah. thing. Um, sure. so kind of being in that, in that, uh, environment, you have to let yourself think like, wow, I'm really, I'm really seeing this. No, I don't get to go shake hands with Adam driver and Daisy Ridley, but you know, we're here doing a star Wars thing. And what's the harm in just going the extra mile and saying that, you know, that we're a part of star Wars now, because this is how it's presented in the next step beyond watching something on Disney plus, you know? Yeah. So I I totally connect with that. I think that people, I think that people want to give themselves to the nature of that community more than they think they do. Um, so it's interesting to hear that there's so so many people still being like, well, it's just a dumb show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think if we are in the sense, uh, in the spirit of honesty here, I think what would make me really thrilled and really happy is for there to be kind of a middle ground here. Cause it seems like galaxy's edge is something that you don't have to, buy tickets specifically for if you're at Disneyland and you're in the park, you can just go, you can just walk over and then you're there, you know, and you mm-hmm. don't ha- you never have seen a frame of star Wars in your life. Excuse me. And then you have this, which is an, a highly exclusive thing that if any star Wars fan would go, most people would probably have to save up for it. And like mm-hmm. a trip to Jamaica or Cancun or wherever, it's not just really something that most people can kind of just go do on a whim. It's something you kind of have to intent be intentional about. I would like for there to be a nice middle ground where there's something that it's not kind of your everyday Joe Schmo who people are there may or may not be star Wars fans versus the super high end exclusive, you know, uh, thousands of dollars, uh, uh, trip here. I would like there to be like kind of a nice middle ground there of something that I could maybe one day experience. I think that that would be great. Uh, and I would hope that, uh, other star Wars fans would also be interested in experiencing something like that. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't need necessarily like a 
two day long. I assume it's kind of all inclusive. I think a mm-hmm. lot of the food and cocktails and stuff like that, that they offer on the ship, which look great, kind of look similar to what you can get at galaxy's edge with some, you know, variations and different recipes and, and items here, of course. Um, but I would like there to be a nice middle ground, you know, I don't need like a two yeah. day long. I'm living and breathing star Wars for 48 hours, but something that, you know, kind of in the middle there. Well, I almost imagine that there's that I think that the the logical step for something like a middle ground would almost be like you have your people that that shell out so much money to stay in the rooms and they get to do these experiences and be in these missions and they have a place in this story versus maybe you pay a smaller amount of money um, and you have access to the lounges and you have access to the little gift shops. Um, totally. Or you have access to maybe like the lightsaber training and some of these smaller stakes For um, sure. activities, but you can't stay in the rooms. You can't be a part of these missions. You don't get those exclusive things because that's kind of what it feels like. Um, and it's, it's one of my gripes with things like Disneyland or Disney World where it's like, yeah, you can go. And, you know, for someone like myself, that's going to be a pretty penny to take a trip there, Um, whether it's airfare, lodging, and then also the park. But then also it's like, okay, you go for the experience. And if that's enough for you, that's great. But you can also go to the shops. You can get stuff at the restaurants. You can buy yourself a lightsaber and you can build it right there. Or you can build a droid and you have these little extracurricular things um, that say, no, I really came for the whole experience and that's what I wanted to do. And if you didn't, then you have the right to not do that. Um, yeah, well, there's even tiers like that kind of in, in within Disneyland or Disney World where yeah. it's like, yeah, you can go to the park, but you're staying at, you know, a, a Best Western down, you know, a 15 minute drive away or a shuttle mm-hmm. drive away, or you can stay at the park and stay in Cinderella's castle or whatever. Like, you know, there is still kind of a, a middle ground there versus, yeah, I went on a Disney cruise ship and spent a week on this boat. You know, there is kind of that, that halfway point here. And I totally agree. It would be great that if you could kind of get on the boat or you're not this boat whatever like this the, the cruise ship so to speak air quotes here mm-hmm. uh and yeah do the training or kind of have the dinner theater kind of vibe and do something like that that would be would be a, a, a great idea i think still be able to experience some of that stuff but it's not it's not like you're not sleeping here and maybe the food's not all inclusive like it's still yeah, kind of out yeah. of pocket stuff i i think that's a great I, idea I, I, that's the thing is i just want i just want my my drink brought to me on the head of an astromech is that too much to ask oh my god yeah if i wonder if they've got a droid here on the on the kit like i didn't see an r2 unit like you know well i know that there's here watching some of those videos there's i know that there's one uh that kind of greets you as you come in um and he's a really look really interesting looking uh astromech because he's like white with some orange and blue um it's it's a very interesting design but i would imagine that there's you know, there's got to be some level of, of droid figures at the place. And, you yeah. know, if, if you're having people kind of walking about and being in costume or being, you know, just ha- having their their uniforms, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're uh, uniforms I, I, for people I'm, that work there. 
I'm curious what like the as far as the droids are concerned, like what's the logistics of that? Because if you go to like Star Wars Celebration or something, I know it's it's not the same, but like they'll have a BB-8 or an R2 driving around and kids can say hi and whatever. And then if you look at kind of off in the distance, there's a guy with like a little RC remote or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, how do they do that here? Is there someone like kind of hiding who's like there's covering it from a distance or it's- Ooh, yeah, there's, that's there's a, a good little, idea. Like a guy in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, we got uh, a question answered that we had uh, asked a while ago about if they are going to have kind of a lounge music kind of vibe here. Is the music original? Are they doing covers? Do they take requests? And it seems like all the music that they're doing is like original in-universe songs here, which isn't necessarily surprising. Uh, but I was I was curious to see how they would handle that and who's in charge of writing songs for this and well, is it pre-recorded? Is it actually <laughs> performed there you know it looks like i'll say this from the video that that you sent me that i saw um first of all it is originally it, or it is original songs you can kind of tell because it's not very good uh, hey you know yeah i don't expect it to top any charts here but you know it's just so funny because if we're, we just talked about this you know what kind of music fits into star wars and I got to be honest, if I'm thinking Star Wars music and I'm like, okay, what's the most out there thing that like you could replicate in real life? I'm thinking Tatooine of like, Rhapsody. <laughs> well, first of all that, <laughs> but I'm thinking of like the, the music in, um, in solo when they go to Dryden Voss's like private ship. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah there's yeah. kind of that cl- like that club music that's so right. weird and like, sure. it's just like, okay. That is something to me that's like I would expect to see that in a lounge or something. I'm not I'm not looking for Jedi rocks, um, but like just something, you know? It, yeah. It. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's something that like like you know when you go to a concert and you take a video on your phone, you try to show it to people later, and you're like, it's not the same. You got to be there, kind of situation. Maybe it's yeah. like that. Where like when you catch it on on your phone, it doesn't sound quite as good. So maybe if you really have to be there, maybe this this song will hit a bit different. I don't know. Will I find out? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got student loans to pay here. But yeah, there seems to be a lot of a lot to this. There's obviously kind of the missions that you can do. Uh, there's a lot of food, a lot of drinks, which I would be very excited to do. Uh, a lot of lightsaber training, and there's obviously kind of like a dinner theater kind of vibe to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally again something that i would be very excited to see is the food which if, if it's all inclusive my god like man <laughs> forget the side missions of the lightsaber training <laughs> i would be trying everything on the menu and giving the a, a full breakdown of what i would think of of each cocktail and each item and they kind of the first order has to drag me off the main floor because i'm <laughs> i'm disruptive <laughs> and I'm, I'm i'm drunk during the dinner theater here but one of the other kind of videos that I sent you that I thought was really great, uh, I think it was the the, the same uh, kid as from like we were discussing earlier, but he had seen like he had kind of made friends with like a first order officer. And mm-hmm. it was like a, a bunch of clips of him throughout of, yeah, Brooke McDonald, uh, who had uh, kind of her, her son had made a five-year-old uh, son had just kind of made friends with a first order officer and was like hanging out with him for like the, the two days. I think that that's, that's great. Like, I don't Here's know. Here's the thing. Yeah. You know why though? It's like if, if it was you and I there, uh, and you know, we like, we'll say we keep running into the same first order officer. 
um, my reaction would be something like, okay, in my headspace, I'm thinking like this guy's tailing us or like this, this first order officer is, <laughs> you know, he thinks, <laughs> he thinks we're Let's suspicious. And, yeah. <laughs> no, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it becomes part of the story at that point. Here's the thing though. And that's a wonderful example of yeah. this kid is walking around in a world that he has only seen on his TV and he's yeah. saying that guy is from Star Wars. I saw him in the yeah. movie and that's that's all there is to it, you know. Yeah. Which is just yeah. so wonderful. That's so sweet. Yeah. I think this, you know, this is like it's kind of like we were talking about. It, it kind of plays into that dinner theater show kind of escape room vibe to where if it's like if you buy into this idea and you let yourself have fun just like medieval times or something like that yeah oh my goodness not very good yeah you probably got some guy who's like also in an improv class on wednesday and he's also like trying submitting his headshots to everybody in town but if you go and you have fun and you cheer on the green knight or the blue knight or the red knight or whoever it is Mm -hmm. uh, i think you could have a total blast and something like this yeah it's a bit of a prettier penny than something like uh, medieval times which i found out uh for your uh bachelor party is actually not as cheap as i thought it would be Uh, i don't know did we did we ever tell you this uh that uh, they were kind of kicking around ideas and i thought it'd be really fun to do medieval times did i ever tell you that i don't think so but yeah it would have been it would have been a little fun yeah because we were like kicking around ideas and I was like, you know, it'd be really silly and dumb is like if the six of us guys <laughs> got together to medieval times and maybe snuck in a flask or two. And like yeah, yeah, yeah. Got kind of pissed watching like the blue knight fighting or whatever. I thought that'd be kind of a nice time. But yeah, I um, I don't know if I have too much more to say about the Galactic Star Cruiser. You know, likely it's not something that I'm able to probably experience uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't even know if I have the desire to save up for something like this but all in all i think i'm thrilled for the people who are interested uh and and will be you know uh, compelled to save and spend this amount of money because i do think one of the benefits of a price tag like that is the people that are there want to really be there Mm -hmm. and they're buying into the silliness and buying into the wonderment of of being and playing in star wars and allowing themselves to kind of have that childlike fun because if we're being honest i'm going to do the exact same month uh, thing in a couple of months when i'm building my own lightsaber and piloting the millennium vulcan let's be honest it's going to be the exact same thing yeah and that's i think that's one of the things to to think about is you reminded me of like i don't know if you've ever been to a renaissance fair um Mm -hmm. but i've been to a couple of times there's a very very big one near my parents house um it's just across the border into wisconsin um huge renaissance fair and it's yeah like the people there that you're going to run into you really don't see and and it's one of those things that's like it doesn't have a huge price tag but you ask any rando on the street and they're like no i haven't been to the renaissance fair but if you if you know somebody who's been to a renaissance fair it's like yeah. Oh, I love going to the Renaissance fair because sure. I get to do this. I get to dress up. I get to buy these things. I get to talk to these people. I get to pretend to do whatever. Um, so even there is you have that kind of mentality of, of buying into it and it, it's a community that, that people love. Um, so yeah. yeah, again, yeah, that's not something that I will ever be able to afford and that's okay. Um, I would love to be able to just go to Galaxy's Edge because I think I would somewhat get my fill. Um, yeah. We'll ever see if that's in the cards. But um, I would say 
on the whole, um, I'm excited this I'm excited for this to become its own thing. And I understand that there's cynicism in saying that yes, this is just a really cool looking way for Disney to make a lot of money. Um yeah. but no, I want it to take a take on a life of its own. And I'm I'm hopeful that these stories that we've gotten so far have at least had an impact on some people in saying, like, no. Yeah you know, my kids are going to go bananas over this and it's totally worth it just for that. Even if that's as much as it is, then sure. Yeah. Go nuts. I I think one of my kind of final big takeaways for this is I just feel so fortunate and so like happy to be a star Wars fan right now, because what other fandom is something like this happening for? And the answer is not really any. It's like, yeah, Yeah, Avengers campus is lacking, dude. Avengers campus lacks. It's not the same. And even something no. like like Universal Studios and like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, it's good, but it's just not to the degree that something like this is. Not that this is better, but even the opportunity to be able to do something like this just really isn't there for something mm-hmm. like even Harry Potter, which is another huge franchise. And something like Marvel, which some might say is bigger than Star Wars right now, even something like that doesn't really exist for Marvel. And I'm just so happy and and feel so grateful to be a star wars fan right now and that even though you and i don't really have the opportunity to do something like this there is so many other alternatives and so many other ways that we can engage with star wars and 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 explore explore and and kind of uh embrace our fandom um i'm I'm very happy to be a star wars fan and like i've I've been saying this for a while is there's truly no better time to be a star wars fan whether or not we'll be able to attend the galactic star cruiser ourselves uh, remains to be seen, um, but I'm very excited to see what's coming down the pipeline because there's no way that this is the end for Star Wars interactive experiences. I know that there's going to be something else coming, which I'm uh, very hotly anticipating. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's one thing that I'm most excited for is knowing that, you know, we talked a long time ago about Star Tours and the place that we started with with Star Wars immersive experiences and things like that. Mm-hmm. And We've probably still got a long way to go with more content happening and and more, you know, I guess just more uh, more room to to expand that idea of of Star Wars being a part of those experiences that Disney is always cooking up over there. Absolutely. No rest for the wicked and absolutely no rest for those Imagineers. Boy, are they working hard. Well, no, I don't have, (laughs) I have absolutely zero more thoughts regarding this topic. Do you have a one, a two, maybe? I think here's my one thought is as much as I was weirded out by the princess and the scoundrel thing, I think after seeing this, it kind of put my mind at ease um, because... It, it just seems like people are having a lot more fun than I thought they would. And that makes me happy. I think that's my only yeah. thought. Yeah. I love to also think that because uh, some people were kind of complaining that the rooms are kind of small. They're technically windowless. They have like these LED screens that are like showing the stars and stuff. It doesn't like it's not real. I like to think that yourself. Get over yourself. Well, I, like to, I like to think that Han was the same way, that he was just like, oh, there's no r- windows here, and uh, <laughs> the, the sink should be a little bigger. And yeah, that's that's what I would like to think is going to happen in that book. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Noah, do you want to close us out and uh, take us home for this week? Sure, yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head on over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at ScumVillainPod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys. See you guys.